Hello, my name is Reverend Jodie Stoll. In the March 2020 lockdown due to COVID-19, I was in one of the few million households who were required to shield because I live with someone who is clinically extremely vulnerable. It's almost a year since that happened. Can you believe it? In that time, we've been under various regulations and we are now in the third lockdown. And for me, back to shielding. The way that I see the world and make sense of my faith in it is now fundamentally impacted by this whole experience. And so this is my podcast, Shielded. You're very welcome here. Hi, so here we are at the last um, episode of this series of the podcast. Um, It's been so lovely to chat with all my guests um, this series. Uh, So if you've missed any of them, you can always catch up on Anchor or Spotify or Google Podcasts um, amongst other platforms. So do go and uh, find them and have a listen. Today, I'm speaking with James Houston, who is a vicar in London, um, and we chat a little bit about what it's really been like uh, to manage um, working out what church looks like um, in COVID times. So I'll let him introduce himself now. Okay, that's great. So we're recording now. James, it's really lovely to uh, have you here uh, chatting great with to me here. today. Uh, tell us uh, who you are. So uh, so my name is James Houston. Uh, so I have lived in East and now North London for about the last 14 years. Uh, I've been a vicar in East London, just started as a vicar at St Mary Islington, so up in N1. So a shift to a new bit of London. Um, but uh, we're enjoying it so far. It's going well. Good, good. Um, it's a bit of a massive thing to actually move. Um, it's always a massive thing to move yeah. house, but in these times, um, that that's huge. That's huge. Has it gone okay for you? I know. Uh, yes, it's gone fine. I mean, as you know as well, Jenny, it's not just a case of starting a new job. You're, you're saying goodbye to a whole community. You're, you're uprooting your family. You're moving to a new area. And, uh, you know, that, that's an awful lot of change. I've got three young children. Uh, so setting into school, setting into preschool for the youngest. Um, my wife is a nurse, so she's still been working very hard and uh, getting to know a, a church and a community in a time which is you know, very different to normal. Like, yeah, it's not been straightforward, but but we we really enjoyed it. We felt so welcomed here. So um, delighted about that. Yeah. yeah I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So um, obviously we're here to talk um, a bit about what uh, faith and life has looked like in, in this weird and wonderful time that we're in. Um, so, I mean, for you, we're, you know, 10, uh, 11 months in really to, uh, to this strange time. Can you remember when you began to realise last year that COVID was actually going to impact life quite significantly? I mean, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but it, it feels like, like pre-COVID feels a total lifetime away, really. It's, it is slightly getting to the point where it's hard to remember just the normal patterns that there were and the expectations and thoughts before the pandemic hit. Um, I, I think I'd love to say that, you know, I, I, I was earnestly charting the move of the pandemic uh, into Europe and then over here and I saw all the warning signs. Oh, I, I don't think I did really. <laughs> I, I suspect we've all learned a lot about pandemics in the last 12 months um, and maybe if another one comes which we hope it won't I'll be I'll be more prepared but I think 
you know, it was just so busy trying to adapt to all the little changes that were coming in. Um, and probably we were we were more concerned as, as a family about how it was going to impact schooling and childcare provision. Uh, that was probably our major focus. So it, it, I, I'm not even sure. I, I think I remember a couple of days before the announcement came out, the churches had to close, you know, grandly announcing to the congregation that we would never close the church doors or something like that. Yeah, partly because, I don't know, I've never, I just never imagined, I never imagined the lockdown would be implemented in the way it was, or I never experienced anything like that before. Um, so I'd love to say, you know, months in advance, I knew it was coming, but I, yeah, I just don't think I did. I was probably like I a mean, lot of people, yeah, just running around trying to, trying to keep up with the changes and what's happening. Yeah, and I think that does um, say something about how fast-paced mm. it went yeah, um, yeah. and how chaotic it's all felt, Yeah. Um, even right at the beginning. I mean, I do remember, so lockdown was sort of March the 23rd, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And I, I remember on the 5th of March, travelling into London for um, an event um, by Westminster Abbey. And so obviously I was traveling in um, on public transport at that point. Um, and I did bring hand sanitizer and sort of sanitize Good. my hands to within yeah. an inch of their life kind of thing. Um, and then on the 12th, um, there was a diocesan meeting in central London and we did have conversations about whether we should still be meeting then but we decided yeah. to go ahead um, and at that point I drove in and mm. got a sort of parking space booked a parking space in London so decided I wasn't going on public transport yeah yeah um but it, it still felt you know pretty yeah. swift um yeah. just a few weeks that we went from all you have to do is wash your hands for 20 seconds saying yeah. the Lord's Prayer or singing yeah, something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, to this fairly sort of um, uh, apocalyptic um, really event. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember the same thing, you know, being at chapter meetings where they're saying, oh, this is a great way of encouraging people's prayer life because you can get to say the Lord's Prayer while they wash their hands. Yeah. So, you know, the next chapter meeting being, being about, OK, well, what's the emergency funeral care we provide when we get overwhelmed by deaths from the pandemic? You know, it, just, it was astonishing that the, the speed and, yeah. you know, whether that's just whether that just represents how unprepared everyone was uh, for this or as you say, maybe I think the, a lot of the language coming out from government was pretty chaotic at the time and didn't really give us a heads up about it. But but it's also, you know, it's it's a massive change in life, which very few people had experienced before. And I just don't think we were really ready for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the things that when I was talking with Rachel, she kind of said, oh, you know, maybe we were all a bit arrogant. And I said, I hope it was more to do with a lack of imagination, yeah. you know, that we just couldn't have imagined this happening so yeah. obviously it did happen and you went from as you said um you know kind of encouraging people in their prayer life uh, to you know <laughs> talking about pretty pretty major things within our um all of our communities uh, to yeah, do with yes. the pandemic yeah. so um you know what has that looked like for you in the last year both obviously you've had a change of the christian community that you're yeah, part yeah. of and yeah. uh, that's very recent i know um yeah. but what has it looked like for that community those communities and for yourself as you as you've done this last year yeah yeah i mean the first thing to say is that we've you know i feel really fortunate really and we do as a family because 
we don't know anyone close to us uh, who who's uh, died from COVID. Although although we had we've had it as a family ourselves, and lots of friends and family members have. Um, so you know it's important, I think, because that that's such a different factor in people's experience of the last twelve months, isn't it? And how 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 close this feels uh, can can feel sometimes. Um, you know, in terms of church, from a from a clergy perspective, all the the tools I felt I had to offer comfort and help to people in the time again were just stripped away. You couldn't do services, you couldn't do face to face stuff, you know, you couldn't gather people to pray. Uh, all these little things, there weren't spaces in the community that you could go to where you knew people would be uh, to sort of be with them and be present with them. Uh, I felt like all those things were just stripped away. And, having to relearn a whole new rhythm and pattern of life, having to, to relearn a whole set of skills and everything like that. Sorry, that was a phone. Uh, That's all right. <laughs> so, so quickly, I mean, it was pretty exhausting, actually. It was really, you know, mentally, emotionally and spiritually, as well as physically exhausting um, all round. And that's, you know, that, that was tough. That was very, I found that very, very tough. And then, and then having to put in place quite quickly a whole new set of rhythms and patterns of life, having to put in place a whole new set of ways of doing things in, in ministry and in church. And at the same time, um, and I don't know if you found this, Jade, I, this, this may be more about just my personality, but wanting to be hopeful and positive and uh, informative for uh, congregation members, for people in the community, and also in, you know, in my in my own family context as well, not wanting to let our children feel uh, depressed or overwhelmed by this. Uh, so trying to hold it all together in a sense, while, while going through that massive change uh, was yeah, pretty exhausting. Um, yeah, pretty exhausting. That that stripping away was, was hard, very, very hard. Uh, very hard, actually. Um, so with your um, church community, how did you manage all of that? Hmm. So, I mean, the, the church I was in at the time, uh, it's a wonderful church, St Paul's. I actually spent the first couple of weeks uh, running around talking to tenants, looking at financial models, business planning, furloughing staff, uh, setting up longer term arrangements um, with, with other to cover other areas of work which we no longer had staff for and all those sorts of things um, because we had to do that there were times uh, over those few months after lockdown when we we had to ask the question about whether we'd have money to get through the next 12 months as a church and and you know wonderfully god always provided which is which is amazing so my first couple of weeks looked rather like that uh, at the same time trying to throw together something that we could do to offer church to people um, you know, to offer some sense of, someone described it to me later, they said what they loved about it was in all the voices of fear and negativity uh, and despair that they heard from the media, they heard on social media, they heard from a lot of their own friends. Um, what they got from church was a sense of hope, not unrealistic or unjustified, but a sense of hope that was bigger than just what was going on at the moment. Uh, and so trying to find in the midst of that a, a way of offering in the poor way I could, uh, both technologically and spiritually, um, th those, those words of hope of, of God, I think. Um, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. And, and I'm not, you know, I've always thought I'm, I'm not terrible at technology. Uh, and then this hit and I realized I was actually pretty bad at technology. <laughs> so, 
I, it's I a different level, isn't it? <laughs> totally different level. Totally different level. Uh, and um, you know, it's also the time of year as well, isn't it? Because we were we were gearing. We had Ash Wednesday, uh, and so we were gearing up. Or at least I was for for Lent and getting myself in that that mindset for for Holy Week and then Easter, and then to have all that dropped as well. Um, it was. It was interesting. It was, yeah. So um, has all your stuff been online? How have you sort of managed yeah, yeah. within? Yeah. I don't know if your community was one that was all um, up and running digitally or whether, you know, you needed to find other ways. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think we felt the majority of people were up and running digitally. Um, uh, so so we, we went. We offered something fairly quickly. It wasn't slick. It was never meant to be slick. I, the church I was at then. And, and probably me as a vicar, I'm not someone who tries to be slick about things. I don't think I'm just trying to, <laughs> in the messiness of life, we just try and offer what we can. Um, and that's the same for me as it is for, for technology. Um, so what we did is we we did a Facebook stream uh, every Sunday morning. And, and actually we we split out the, the sung worship and the sermon and the the, the liturgy. So so I, I would lead um, like a service of, of, of morning prayer just with a straight liturgy uh, on a Sunday morning um, stream to Facebook live um, and actually that it was quite nice I mean people could people commented as you went along and so certainly you know uh, at the beginning I had my phone there uh, I was able to see their comments so we would pray together and they'd be able to put their prayers and incorporate those together which was which was nice uh, and then we recorded the sermon and our music leader recorded half an hour of sung worship and we uploaded those separately to YouTube and Facebook and we just decided those two platforms and then our website would be what we would focus on. Um, partly because we, you know, it seems strange to say it now, but Zoom was still a relatively unknown technology to certainly to me at that point. So uh, I just thought, I, you know, I need to do, I've got little to offer in terms of energy here. Uh, I, I need to just go with what I feel I can get a grasp of pretty quickly. And uh, we went down there, I had a wonderful curator at the time, but he was very ill with COVID. So, so it was really just me trying to uh, run around and offer what little I could. Um, I, I think it worked well. You know, there's, there's, it wasn't, it probably wasn't as interactive. Um, the church I'm at now, uh, they, they've always used Zoom. And I think one of the great benefits of that is you can have different people doing readings, uh, you can have this, uh, and, and prayers and different interactions within the service. Uh, in in a way that we couldn't on on Facebook, but but I think it it, it works. It worked enough. Um, I, um, just what you're saying about the whole thing of of whether it's a sort of slick thing or not, I really identify with. You know, I when we started, we um, we in, initially started with just doing Facebook live streaming, mm. and part of the reason for that was that actually that gives the the more it felt more intimate um, than doing a recording and, and more immediate and all that stuff about people can comment um, on Facebook, but also that it, it, it was inevitably then not slick. Yes. Um, and yeah. I guess we felt like if you come to St. Michael's on a Sunday, if you come into the building, you yeah. ain't going to get slick. Yeah. And so we wanted something that felt authentic to who we were yeah. um whether it was online or whether it was in the building yeah. um and i mean i we have done uh pre-recorded stuff now but i always try not to 
um, re-record something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do 50 takes. When <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, for that reason, even though it's not live, I want it to feel that it's real yeah. um, and it's there. But interestingly, um, after almost a year of this, I think I have felt that that expectations have changed. Mm -hmm. So when we were first doing it, there was a sort of delight that anything could be possible. Yes, yes. Um, and now I find myself sort of, well, I can just add that because we used to send the liturgy email it to people yeah. or give them a link um, on Facebook or send it to people who, who yeah. couldn't have that for whatever reason. You know, but now it's like, oh, well, maybe I can find a way to put the words on yeah. the screen and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so th that's an interesting shift, I it think, is, at this yeah. point. Yeah, and, and I don't know about you, but it feels to me like here's, here's now another skill set we were given no training for, which we now have to be on top of. Even if we can't do it all ourselves, we have to be very aware of this whole new element of church life, which is, which is going to continue in some form, I'm sure, for, for most of us. And I just think, gosh, well, we'll have that sort of list of things we were never trained for in a college. Yes. <laughs> quite quite I think I am I think I'm grateful for it I think yeah, um but there are moments where I just think oh gosh my my capacity is so limited at the moment and it's yeah. adding to the exhaustion which for me has felt yeah. a bit like layers upon layers of exhaustion with no yes. um space to recover you know so yeah. you give of yourself and you give out in lots of different ways and often there is a moment you know or two to uh revitalize and rejuvenate mm. um but this has just yeah. been pretty pretty relentless i think so, that's true isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well i was i was going to say you know just coming back to what we were talking about a moment ago about those first early days um i became aware a number of months later that i'd, I'd use so much of my reserves that even when i found some space to to have have a short i mean we couldn't go anywhere but have a short break or something like that i was only just getting up to my normal low level i was never i was never going up to sort of a high reserve again as you're right that that draining was constant and relentless as well mm. and i think that's really important it's important for us to acknowledge that and it's important for us to recognize that that's how everybody yes. um is is feeling mostly um, I would imagine um, that there's a sort of just just keeping my head above water um, feeling yeah. for for the general population. Yeah. Um, but also, I guess with with us as as church leaders, there there is sometimes a um, really unhealthy idea that you know we, we've somehow got it sorted and because yeah. you know we're so tuned into god um that uh that somehow these things don't affect us in in the same way um mm. and i think for me i felt it's really important to be saying to people yeah. that 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 is real for us as well um yeah. so as much as we're holding and as you've said trying to um you talked about the you know sort of give a sort of message of hope but not one that is disconnected from the lamentation which is um real and right at this time as well so uh what about you personally how just thinking about all those things how ha how have you um 
how has your faith uh, changed, adapted? What have your particular rhythms and patterns looked like? Mine yeah. have been pretty, pretty chaotic, so don't feel like you have to <laughs> sort of say, I now have this beautiful rhythm of what, prayer. What <laughs> I mean, it has been chaotic. I mean, that that whole it's one of the things I think with with ministry that that you're you're you feel quite exposed, and partly because what happens in public is often reflected for me anyway by what's happening in private. And, and so the sort of stripping away, I think, was also going on for me uh, privately in my own faith patterns as well. Um, and I, I'm I'm one of these people, and and again, this might just be me. I'm, I'm quite good at dealing with certain things in my work life and therefore I'm terrible at dealing with them in my personal life. So I'm quite good at dealing with change in, in my work life. But in my personal life, I really like a nice steady rhythm to undergird all of that. And so when that gets thrown in the air, and I love my children, but my goodness, uh, <laughs> that first lockdown when the schools were closed was, was tough, I think for a lot of parents, not just me. Um, you know, it made it made faith very difficult. And when I'm tired, my faith patterns always have always struggled. Uh, and, and this year has been no exception in that. And it, it, I think my prayer life became, uh, it, it, it certainly stopped being regular in the sense that I had a regular space for it. Uh, it survived. And that's, I think that's something that I'm very delighted about. Um, Sometimes it wasn't surviving very strongly, <laughs> if I'm honest, uh, and sometimes it was thriving. Uh, um, you know, I, th I think I learned an awful lot about, I, I reconnected with God in creation, actually, uh, in, in a way that was really lovely for me. Uh, I think I think some of the things being stripped away, it was interesting, we, we made a decision early on not to, um, not to share the Eucharist virtually, and I, I have always found the Eucharist incredibly powerful for me spiritually, but I realized that actually uh, part of the, the meaning for me is tied up within the people of God physically being together and, and sharing it. Uh, and actually I found therefore that I was quite, not happy is the wrong word, but I was, I was willing to wait and look forward. It, it almost gave me something to look forward to again, that moment when we could gather together again as church and share the bread and the wine together uh, rather than just me sitting in my study uh, doing it online. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, that works very well for a lot of people. But it, it just, it was interesting for me that in my own spiritual life, that's where I, I, I focused the work of God in that, in that, in that place. Um, I did enjoy, you know, I did enjoy different rhythms. And I think once, after those first few chaotic weeks, I, I'm not sure whether I was busier or not, but I think I was, time was just different. Um, and I was able to carve out a bit more time for just for, for study and reading in a way that I'm normally terrible at, really. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I enjoyed that. I, I felt that was a really positive thing for me in my, in my own faith life. Um, and, and actually, you know, I think I, think I probably connected with the, the sort of changelessness of God. And that's a whole big theological question, I know. But um, in some sense, the changelessness of God in a world that was constantly changing, or the, con the constancy of God, I suppose, the constancy of God's presence and God's love and God's God's kindness. I think I've learned a lot this year about the fact that God is a lot kinder to me than I am to myself. Uh, and if I if I can remember that a bit more often uh, and hold on to that a bit more tightly, uh, I might grasp a bit more of the kindness of God. Um, yeah, I think I've learned a lot about the kindness of God this year. Um, 
that's been very positive for me yeah yeah and that's uh that's massively important and as you say is something that often we dismiss and you know we as you say we're often less much less kind to ourselves and to others probably um than than god is um to us or them um yeah i think i found that um you know prayer is much more i mean it always has been for me i think but much more so realizing that it's it's in the everything yeah. Yeah. it's a it's prayer is sort of a attitude of life mm. um rather than um a particular time although i you know i get that that's important and but for me it just hasn't always been possible that so so just the sort of i'm in this situation of life and i will offer that to god yeah. and it's not necessarily verbal even in my head um but it is it is an orientation of life kind of thing i think that's where i've gone with that yeah i think that's true i, I think uh it's there's something something for me about the attentiveness in prayer uh, you know, rather than sitting down in a chair and praying with my eyes closed, which, you know, is one way of praying, uh, the walking around in the hour exercise we could have outside each day and being attentive to the, the sounds of the birds, the feel of the sun on my face, the wind in my face, whatever whatever the weather was like, uh, and attentive to to God in that. I, I remember walking around to a big park near where I used to live uh, and just listening to the sound of the wind in the trees. Uh, and, and it struck me that, you know, the Bible talks about heaven as a garden. That's one of the images it uses. And I was thinking, gosh, is that is that the sound of heaven I'm hearing then? You know, the wind blowing through the trees. Is that are we going to hear that sound of heaven? And there was something about it in a way that I'd never I'd never been attentive like that before. And uh, I think that's that's if I can hold on to that. And that's always the question. But that could be a real gift. Um, could be a real gift. Absolutely. Um, so. The year has been hard. <laughs> um, you've tried to hold on to hope and be positive, but there have been moments that have been really crap. So my question to everyone has been, you know, why why bother to continue with this endeavor of following Jesus when uh, when it feels crap and when it doesn't often or always make sense? Yeah, I, I think ultimately for me, that's because that's where you see the truth of the truth of faith, don't you? You know, in the same way that I think you see you see that's a phrase your true friends are when when things go totally wrong um or the depth of, of love that you have for someone or they have for you when things go terribly wrong uh for me faith has always been uh the, the depth of faith has always been much more revealed i think in in those tough times when everything's falling apart when life is crap um and, and actually you know to be honest when i read the bible that's <laughs> That's what I see in, in the Bible most of the time. I mean, yes, there's there's incredible words of hope and joy uh, and all those things are there. But my goodness, there's an awful lot of people doing their best in the messiness of life to to try and follow God, even if they're not sure what that means or what that looks like. Um, so I think I think for me, it's it's uh, it's been a great reminder of of the presence of God in the dirt uh, as well as. Um, in those moments of great joy and uh, yeah yeah I think I think that's true. I, I don't think that's just true for me either I think I've had quite a few people uh, over the last year talk to me about how they've they've encountered God in different ways and found faith in different ways and 
and actually you know people come to well both the churches um, i've been part of over the last year who who weren't part of them before because actually when everything went wrong and i don't i'm not saying this is a good model of evangelism or anything like that but you know when everything went wrong um they they found god in a way they hadn't necessarily even been looking for god um yeah maybe there's something about god being you know inherently present in those places not just a place that god sort of uh, deigns to go but actually a place where where god is you know somehow in god's very character you know ultimately the incarnation is god stepping into the muck and messiness of right. human life yeah i think that's absolutely right i mean i heard an interesting talk by sam wells a, a few weeks ago and sam is always worth listening to but he he was talking about how you know in in the western culture we we have a bit of a tendency or maybe we've had a bit of a tendency to sort of subconsciously fall into this contract with god where you know where if everything is going well and then my faith is strong when everything's going bad you're not delivering god so therefore my faith is not going to be where it should be um but actually he quite rightly said well that's that's just not the story of god through the centuries uh and that's not the story of the people of god in the scripture um god as you say god is present God is always present in the dirt and in the grime and in the dust. Um, and God goes with us to those places of great joy as well, which is which is the real gift. But um, yeah, it's also something about, you know, when everything's stripped away, perhaps it's easier to see God. Um, and that stripping away is often painful. It is painful. Um, maybe in those places, it's easier to see God who's always present, just sometimes gets hidden up, hidden by things that we put in God's way. I don't know yeah no absolutely absolutely god in the in the muck and messiness and the stripped backness um as when i was talking to al the holy saturday mm. we are a holy saturday people as well as an easter sunday people yeah i think that's right and and those you know those mo we love to focus on the joy of easter day which is great but as you say we have to walk through the the dirt and the muckiness of well of holy week really through good friday through and sit in the dust on easter saturday which is yeah so important and then we can arrive at a place of great joy uh, on easter day and, and and fear as well if you read mark but yeah yes yeah but also i think that those places are very precious in themselves actually holy saturday's um for a long time been one of my favorite parts mm. <laughs> of holy week um allows for the the sense of what we do in the absence mm. in those places as well yes that's right yeah and i think um i think we need those spaces in our life actually mm. and, and maybe maybe that's been part of part of the gift of this year when we look back in years to come that there has been an absence of a number of things um it'd be interesting to see won't it when we come out of this which we pray and hope we will what we rush to put back in very quickly and what just gets generally dropped to one side i mean that's true as in churches but also in, in life as well yeah. brilliant so thank you james thanks for joining me and sharing uh, with me this morning thank you so i thought we would end this episode and this series of Shielded with these words from Psalm 27. 
One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. So may you go knowing that God is with you, um, even in these difficult times, that we have a God who desires to be present with us and will walk with us in all of our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let others know about it and listen on Fridays for new episodes, which you can get from Anchor or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, among other platforms. Go well into your day and may you come again soon to these doors.